Well, we are in the fourth week of our sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, and I have to say I've, I've really enjoyed this series so far. We've been looking at what happens when ordinary people are completely transformed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And you know, this, this transformation happens within every true follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit changes you over time. The Spirit helps you become more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul explains this process in Galatians chapter 5, and toward the end of that chapter, in, in verse 22, he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, when you start to grow in all of these areas, take on these virtues People notice. They'll start to say, oh, so that's what it looks like. That's what a real Christian is supposed to be. But, you know, for some of us, we look at that list, and it's kind of overwhelming. We see this as a huge task. How can I develop all of these qualities at the same time? You know, even if you take just one area, self-control, for example, and you try to really improve and grow in that area of self-control, that's still going to be difficult, right? Think, think about an area in your life where, where you struggle to have self-control. Maybe it's diet or exercise or controlling your temper. Maybe it's trying to stop gossiping or, or talking bad about something, somebody else. Imagine trying to be perfect in that one area of weakness for an entire week, or an entire year, or for the rest of your life, total perfection, how would you do with that? Well, you're like me. You would struggle. And I'm, I'm only talking about one weak spot in just one category from this long list. How can we grow all of these virtues simultaneously? Well, that's why this list is not called the fruit of my spirit. It's, it's not about my ability to change my heart. It's called the fruit of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God himself living within every genuine follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit enables you to do things that you just can't do on your own. The Apostle Paul says this in Galatians 5, verse 16. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And this is very cool. If, if I give the Holy Spirit permission to work on my heart, He will weaken my desire to do the wrong thing. And He'll amplify my desire to do the right thing, to, to be more like Jesus, live the kind of life that honors God. So what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to change our desires? Well, it's helpful to take each individual quality on this list of the fruit of the Spirit and, and look at them one at a time. And that's what we've been doing in this series. Two weeks ago, we looked at love and kindness. Last week was about joy and goodness. And today, we're going to look at patience and peace. 
And as we get started, I want to go back to a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples on the night before he went to the cross. On that night, right after the Last Supper, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, okay, guys, before I leave, I have a few important things that I need to tell you. And he actually had a lot of important things to tell them because his speech here starts at John chapter 13. And he doesn't end until the end of John chapter 17, if you include the long prayer at the end. So that's chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And that may sound like a lot, but it's actually a very good read. And I've noticed something interesting as I've studied for this series. I've noticed that if you take this farewell address from Jesus and you put it next to what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, there are many parallels. Um, this uh, farewell address from Jesus, in Galatians chapter 5, both Jesus and Paul have a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. They also talk about what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. I'll give you an example. In John 14, verse 25, Jesus says this to his disciples, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So do you see it? Jesus promises the coming of this Holy Spirit and he also promises a fruit of the Spirit. Remember, that list begins with love, joy, and what? Peace. And this happens throughout that farewell address. Jesus teaches the disciples about the Holy Spirit and also about the fruit of the Spirit. In John chapter 15, verse 12, he says, This is my command, love each other as I have loved you. In John 15, 11, he says, I have told you these things so that you may be filled with joy. And then here in 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And that's a phenomenal promise. And that promise is not just for those disciples in the upper room so many years ago. It's also for disciples and followers of Jesus today. So where does that leave us? Well, if you've given your life to Christ... And if God's Holy Spirit, His power and presence is living within you, you should have perfect peace every single day and every single right, night. Am I right? Well, I, I wish I could say that's true for me, but I'm not there yet. You could ask my wife. She would tell you that I have this uh, tendency I often wake up in the middle of the night, and then I have trouble falling back asleep. I can be awake for an hour or more. And why is that? Well, I've just got so much on my mind. I, I think about uh, these problems that I need to solve. I also think about problems that I could never solve. I've got a lot of things that I'm thinking about. Unfortunately, I have to admit that all too often, I don't have the peace that I wish I had. So how do I respond in those situations? Do I pray? Absolutely, I do pray. And many times, God does give me peace right then. Other times, though, I get to the end of that prayer, and my mind is still spinning. 
I have found another strategy that's been somewhat successful. I strap on a headlamp and I read a book. And I try to find a book that is interesting enough to hold my attention, but just boring enough to send me back to sleep. It's kind of a delicate balance, but I've got a great one right now. It's called Resurrection by Leo Tolstoy. And this is the guy that wrote War and Peace. And this book is about corruption in the Russian prison system in the late 1800s. And wow, I can read just a few paragraphs of that thing and I start nodding off pretty quickly. But I digress. The point is, it's one thing for Jesus to promise the Holy Spirit and promise this gift of peace. But it's another thing for us to receive and experience that peace. So let's ask an honest question. How can I have peace when so many things are wrong? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Uh, There are so many things, a whole laundry list of things that could keep you up tonight. For one thing, this world is a mess in all kinds of ways. I've got an experiment that you can try later on today. And just pull up the front page of your favorite news website, then close your eyes and reach out your finger at random and just touch somewhere on the screen. Then open your eyes, and it's very likely that you've landed on something tragic or depressing or infuriating. That's just the state of the world. But it's not just the news that can get to us. Lots of things can keep you awake. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you're mad at someone who's making your life difficult right now. Maybe someone you care about is not doing well. Maybe you're not doing well. Maybe you keep thinking about regrets about the past or worries about the future. You know... When so many things are wrong, it can be difficult to have this peace. But as we've learned in this series, the fruit of the Spirit, it's all intertwined. Two weeks ago, we saw that kindness is love in action. Last week, we saw that goodness leads to joy. So here's the connection I want to mention today. You can't have peace without patience. All this fruit, it comes from the same vine. It it grows from Jesus. It's rooted in the character of Christ. So peace and patience work together as well, as, as Forrest Gump would say. Peace and patience are like peas and carrots. And how does this work? Well, with both of these virtues, the main issue is trust. Do you trust God? If you're able to trust God in every situation, you can have patience when you're in a time of waiting. You can be okay while you wait for bad things to get better. You're okay while you wait for God to bring about the good future that He promises for everyone who belongs to Christ. And why are you okay? It's because you trust Him. You trust that He's going to come through. And you can see the progression here, right? If you are patient in that time of waiting, you are also at peace. So that's great, but there's an obvious follow-up question here. If I can't have peace without patience, how do I learn to be patient? We have to be careful with this question. Years ago, I worked with a preacher who used to say, I never ask God for patience. Because if I ask God to give me patience, He's going to give me something that I have to be patient about. 
And I can't say I recommend his approach, but the truth is we all struggle with patience. We'd all love to skip past that time of waiting. That's why the microwave was invented. And I have to say I'm glad it was invented because back when I was single, if I hadn't had a microwave, I might have starved to death. But again, I digress. Sooner or later, we all have these times of waiting. We just don't like it. You're waiting for something to happen, something to change, but then nothing happens. Nothing changes, and it drives you crazy. So how do we answer this question? How can I learn to be patient? Well, you know what? There are uh, lots of potential answers, but I want to give you one that is very simple and very practical. It's something you can do right now while you're here. It's also something you can do while you're lying awake at 3 a.m., which means I need to pay attention to the sermon that I'm preaching right now. Here's the answer. How can I learn to be patient? Let the Holy Spirit help you focus on what you know to be true about God. I don't know if you caught it, but Jesus told us the Holy Spirit will do this. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have said to you. I love that promise. And let's think about what Jesus is saying here. As we go through life, we all encounter these pivotal moments a moment where you have to make a big decision or when you face a big temptation or, or when you, you need to do something that requires great courage. I want you to use your imagination for a second. What if in those pivotal moments you could hear the voice of Jesus saying exactly what you need to hear? You can hear him say things like, With God, all things are possible. Or do to others whatever you would have them do to you. Or don't try to gain the world and lose your soul in the process. Can you imagine having that voice in your ear when you need it the most? This is what the Holy Spirit will do for you. He will remind you of everything Jesus said. But as I've said in the past, you do have to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. If you never pick up your Bible, if you never let God's Word get into your heart, then you haven't given the Holy Spirit anything to remind you of. So, saturate yourself with Scripture. There's a reading plan in your bulletin. You can do that this week. Just go through that reading plan. And stay connected to Jesus. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And you'll see His fruit growing in your life. So let's practice this right now. Let's take this area of patience and allow the Holy Spirit to help us focus on what we know to be true about God. We'll give him something to work with. There's a great passage about patience in the book of James. Uh, James chapter 5, I'll read uh, just a few verses from this chapter. He says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. As an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. So based on this passage, what do we learn about God? Well, James goes back in history and he says, remember those old prophets? Those guys just said what God told them to say, but people didn't want to hear it. And they got persecuted. And then James goes on to say, but how do we look at those prophets today? We see them as blessed because they persevered. They were faithful to God. 
even in difficult times. And that statement relates to something that James said back in chapter 1. He said, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. The book of James uh, teaches us several things about God, and they all fall under one big heading. God is good. He is good all the time, in every way, in every situation. And He may not do exactly what we want, exactly when we want, but that's okay. We can trust that His goodness is far beyond our goodness. So here in James, what are some specific truths that fall under this big heading? Well, we just saw one. God blesses those who patiently endure suffering and temptation. He will bless us here in this life. And the ultimate blessing comes when this life is over. He promises a, a crown of life for those who love Him. Let's look at another truth that we see in James We'll go back to chapter 5, verse 11. It says, You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. It's helpful here to know the story of Job, and we don't have time to go through that whole story today. But I think most people know that Job is known as a man of great suffering. And at the end of the story, God blesses Job in an amazing way. And we see that throughout all the suffering, God never stopped loving Job. So this is another truth about God. He is full of compassion and mercy. God doesn't want to see any of us suffer. He doesn't want any of us to get the punishment, the death that we deserve because of our sin. He loves us. And he sent his son, Jesus, to die in our place. God wants to show us mercy and compassion because that's who he is. I'll read one more truth from James 5. Back in verse 7, he says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So there are several things we can talk about here, but let's stick to these truths about God. What do we learn from these verses? Well, two times James mentions the return of Jesus. Jesus is coming back. And when that happens, God will set things right. So when you are suffering right now, you can still trust him. You you can be patient because he's going to get you through it. And if you hang on, everything will be okay better than okay, because you will get to be with God in His presence. You'll see Jesus face to face. You'll get to worship forever. And like I said last week, that's our greatest desire. So, uh, look at these things that uh, we see about God. If we allow the Holy Spirit to remind us of these things right when we need it, we can grow in patience and peace As our worship team was planning this service, they they thought of someone at Plum Creek who demonstrates this fruit of the Spirit. They thought of Melanie Evans. Many of you know and love Melanie, and I'm so glad that she was willing to share some of her story with us. So let's watch this video together. Hi, my name is Melanie Evans. 
My family and I have been attending Plum Creek for about five years. When I was 30 years old, I was diagnosed with MS and there was no medication available on the market to slow the progression of the disease. The first year and a half or so was tough. It left me wheelchair bound and, uh, and unable to work because of the severe fatigue. I was scared, tired, and powerless. When I was first diagnosed, I, I won't say that I was angry at God, but I just didn't understand why I was going through all I was going through. I was independent, I was working, and I just didn't understand what, what it was all about. I wanted to do things on my own. I had to rely on other people. I didn't want to do that. I had to have, have help with the housework. And so now I consider doing housework a blessing. I don't know if any of you consider that a blessing, but, but I do now because I wasn't able to do it for a while. It wasn't until I started focusing on, on God that I could really realize all the blessings that He was giving us through this time in my life. The first blessing I received was when my doctor wanted to put me on a national lottery medication list to a chance to receive the first um, MS medication that would be becoming available soon. And it's only by God's goodness that I was picked to receive the first FDA approved drug that, to treat pro the progression of MS. After starting on the medication, I did have side effects associated with this adjustment to my body. This is where my patients really had to learn to grow because I had to be patient to, to see what the, the medication would do for me. After about three years on this medication, my doctor was surprised at how far I had come and how positive I was during this time. So we decided since the MS seemed to be in remission that we would start the adoption process. Our son was eight years old at the time and because of all the medication I had been on, we decided that adoption was going to be the best option for our family. Um, when I was first diagnosed, we always wanted more children and we tried adoption twice after I was stabilized from the medication. We were refused both times because of my MS. And I didn't understand. I thought, you know what, I'm a good mom. I can take care of a child. Yeah, I can't get out and run and play ball with them, but I can do many other things for them. So we were actually, we were approved for adoption and we got Olivia and that was just a very, very high point and it let me know that God had not forgotten about us, that he just had other plans for us and we just needed to be patient during this time of waiting. That was where my next blessing comes from, as our daughter Olivia. She was very active from the day that we first received her. I often call her my MS fitness program because she just keeps me hopping all the time and it just I, I normally would have lost strength and stability but she keeps me going so that is definitely a blessing. And I guess the other blessing that I really want to focus on is my spiritual walk growth. I would spend maybe five, ten minutes each day in the Bible but then I found that I wanted to spend more and more time with God and communion with Him each day. That's where my peace comes from. I know that He's there with me and that peace helps me to deal with the struggles of everyday life. I now look at MS as a blessing. It's not for what I've lost, but of everything that I have gained. And I've had the help of so many folks that have helped me through the years, Ron, Olivia, Brad, just throughout my life I've had plenty of people to be there for me. And I know that Jesus is always there with me alongside. I truly believe that focusing on the positive is where my peace and my patience grows. 
I know that Jesus walks alongside me no matter what my day brings. He's always there for me. Sometimes in life we don't always understand what we're going through, but we just need to keep focused on Jesus. He's our ultimate goal and He's always there for us. You've got to persevere through life's challenges. You may have challenges that are different from mine, probably they are, but that's okay. We all have challenges and just persevere during those times in your life. Jesus is there for you and just keep looking to Him. really appreciate Melanie sharing with us. And if you were paying attention, you could hear echoes of everything we've been talking about today. She said, my peace comes from spending time with God. She's connected to Jesus. She's listening to the Holy Spirit. And then what does the Spirit do? He reminds her of those truths that Jesus is always with her, walks alongside her. This is a real-life example of the fruit of the Spirit. I know it when I see it. I see it in Melanie, and I'm praying that other people will see it in us. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your spirit and all the ways that your spirit blesses us and changes us if we are open to that. Lord, I, I pray that uh, we'll be the kind of church and the kind of individual followers of Jesus where, where other people will notice that we're changing. We're not anywhere near perfect, but we're growing, we're becoming more like Jesus. I pray that will happen for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.